0: Welcome back to the Z Podcast. I'm Jimmy Shi, and I'm here with my co-host, Paul Loman. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Katie McGee. She's an expert in sports psychology and is the founder of MindFit Performance. Today, we focus on how sports play a role in Gen Z's life and how the Gen Z culture, such as social media, affects the performance of athletes.
1: So for our first question, um, can you just kind of give a brief explanation of, like, your credentials and what you do?
2: Sure. Um, So I'm in the field of sports psychology. Um, I have degrees in it and a consulting business where I work with primarily athletes, although not limited to sports. um, But athletes, coaches, parents on training mental skills and enhancing mindset. So basically what that means is, say you go to the gym and you want to get physically stronger you you may hire a personal trainer to help you Um, and so you would get workouts and guidance on how to strengthen your body from a personal trainer what a sports psychology consultant does or a mental performance consultant is basically that same thing but for your mind Um, identifying and strengthening mental skills that will help you in your performance
0: yeah totally because what I think is interesting is how, you know, you talked about how you work with uh, primarily younger generation. And what I've always learned is, you know, sports psychology is like this really, really high end, um, you know, product or service that's you know, sure. often used by professional athletes. And, um, you know, learning about some of the articles that you wrote for AYSO, um, it just surprised me of how important, you know, sports psychology is, even for, you know, kids that are like 10 years old.
2: Absolutely. Um, you're right. I think you know, for a long time, this sports psychology and mental skills training was viewed as this kind of elite thing. Um, what I like about working with youth is that we can create these, these habits, um, and this type of mindset that transfers beyond sport to help with life, right? School, lots of homework, social stuff with friends, um, heading off into careers, you know. And so it's been fun to apply some of this stuff and get creative with how we teach it for younger generations and then see it carry on until later in their life. Um, With that said, yes, it's also a wonderful asset for elite athletes as well. um, Quote-unquote elite performers. So I've worked with musicians before. I have a number of colleagues that work in the business world. Um, Everything, we can kind of lump a lot of things under the umbrella of performance so whatever your performance might be, this stuff applies to it.
1: So out of everything you just said, I'm very interested in the fact you said you worked clientele based.
2: Yeah, I'm in private practice. There's a a few avenues to take this type of career. So my client base is primarily youth. It's not limited to that, but I work with a lot of um, middle school, high school and college age
1: what is one of the primary problems you see that are that they're willing to like either get fixed or help get improved on? Or what's something that you that's very common that you think is um, very unique in an industry like yours?
2: That's a great question. I think I, I don't I wouldn't say this is necessarily unique, um, but I think with the age range that I work with and it's. This has shifted in recent years, but I think something that stands out as prevalent right now is stress and anxiety. Um, I think these generations deal are dealing with a different level of anxiety at a lot younger ages than even what my generation dealt with. I don't remember experiencing some of the things that even my 8 and 10-year-old clients feel when I was that age. So... I suppose just because of the age bracket and the prevalence of that makes it unique, but kind of understanding and coping with their, the stressors and anxieties they feel for the reasons they feel them has been a very consistent topic amongst um, the teams and athletes that I work with.
1: So kind of a follow, uh, follow-up question to that answer. So you're expanding on how there's like a lot of stresses within the teens that you saw that wasn't um, when you grew up, but is now very prevalent. Do you think one of those origins has to do with technology or is it more as a coaching aspect? Because um, when I was younger, I remember I was a five sport athlete. I had a lot of great coaches, but I also had a lot of coaches who were not for my best interest. They were more for making the team succeed or making themselves look better. And I think um, that has, become something that I've seen more and more over the years. I've seen still a lot of great coaches, but uh, I've noticed my siblings' teams, they have coaches that really aren't encouraging them, but rather are putting more stress on them to per, um, to perform higher.
2: Sure, it's certainly possible. And to to mimic your statement, there's lots of great coaches out there that are doing a great job and that have the best interest of their athletes in mind. When you're on a team sport, your job is to get the best out of everybody for their greater good of the team. So how each coach does that is dependent on their own coaching style. Um, I do think there's some responsibility that lies in technology. Um, and the, the prevalence of being seen all the time, kind of always having to be on and looking good and performing well because if i'm not then how might i be viewed by my peers or my coaches or my social media following right social media sometimes is a can be like a false security blanket because if you think about it what you see on social media is very rarely the hardships the failures the the speed bumps on the journey, right? It's the, oh, look, I did this or look at this workout or look how strong I am or look how successful I am. And so youth these days sometimes get a false image of what the journey is like. And I think if you asked any great athlete or successful athlete or even elite athlete, they'll tell you that those hardships and those um, detours and those failures are certainly part of the journey of what makes them so successful and and has helped them on their journey. I see a little bit more these days of coaches even, parents even, being afraid to let their child or their team fail and I think that's doing them a great disservice because failure is certainly part of life. It will happen in sport, it will happen in careers, it will happen uh, at school, um, And if we're not taught at the right ages how to deal with it, um, where it's a learning process and it's a necessary step in the journey towards success, whatever you define success as being, then they're going to struggle with it. So that's, I think, a little bit where these um, anxieties kind of skyrocket because it's a combination of not always learning, how to deal with or how to view those kind of setbacks and the pressures that are placed on us from outside sources. And we're not really sure how to deal with that. Like, I feel all this pressure. I'm getting all this pressure on me to win and perform well, And if I don't, these things will happen. Right. Um, and I don't know if you guys recently watched the, uh, the last dance docuseries that just, just concluded this weekend. Um, but someone as successful as Michael Jordan kind of mimicked the exact mindset that I think most athletes could learn from. And he had a quote in the in the episode 10, I think it was that when something like, why would I worry about a shot I haven't taken yet? So he was he created this mindset where he was so present in what's going on now that he wasn't as worried about what might happen or what would happen if something didn't go the way that he that he wanted. He was just present. And I think teaching kids and teaching youth in in high school and college athletes how to be present in that moment takes some of the stress and anxieties away because I don't have to worry about everything else right now. I just get to be here now.
0: Yeah, and what all you just said I really resonate with and there are so many questions that I have right now that um, I'm probably going to come up one by one but the biggest thing that struck me was um, we talked about being present and you know a lot of people talk about the idea of being present or um, you know practice mindfulness so Mm -hmm. can you explain how this idea of being present plays a role in professional sports
2: yeah um, professional sports is slightly different. There's slightly, I suppose, different motivations, right? Because now it's your job. So there's some pressures from that. Could, I ha- I'm i getting paid to perform, so I have to perform, right? Right. Whereas you sports, you're not getting paid to perform. You're hopefully playing that sport because you love it and you enjoy it and you just feel the pressure to be successful at it. Um, but being present in professional sports is a kind of an essential part of the process. It's think about, let's, you know, say football or or baseball, for example, you're playing in a stadium that's filled with several thousand people, right? And each person that fills the stands um, and each opponent across the field and coaches and everything, everybody that's involved outside of yourself creates an opportunity for distraction, right? So I could look up at the stand and someone could catch my eye or I could notice someone who's eating popcorn or a hot dog or whatever, and it can take my focus away from what I actually need to be doing. So being present, whether it's professional sports or not, is basically the ability to block out everything else and be so focused on the task in front of you that nothing else can kind of penetrate or disrupt that level of focus. So you can be truly present and able to, do your job in that moment does that make sense yeah absolutely so for professional sports I mean one can argue it's even more important but it's equally as important to be present considering um, the multitude of distractions available but if I if I'm not paying attention imagine are you guys familiar with football I'm assuming right you know you're
1: you're mm-hmm. playing
2: quarterback and you snap the ball and you're looking for your receiver to throw the ball to you but all of a sudden someone in the stands catches your eye and you look up just for a second what happens bam you're you're getting tackled right probably Mm -hmm. because you weren't actually paying attention to what's going on around you and the things that you needed to be paying attention to in that moment so being present no matter what level you're at or what really you're doing is is very important It, it it helps you um kind of narrow your attention to what you need to be doing
1: and then kind of going off of that um obviously this is a very intense situation for athletes to have to perform at their peak at every game and um not get distracted but with things like um rising social media with uh pressures from peers and coaches how do you athletes deal with this stress? How are they able to cope with the fact that they have to perform well? And if they don't, they risk um, both their social media attention and as well as um, attention from their peers?
2: Right? It's a great question. I think something that youth more these days than ever before, kind of face regularly is like I was saying, kind of, I have to look good and be good all the time. Because People are always watching, right? We're in the age of technology where that's literally true. People are always watching. In social media becomes a tool for uh, exposure and growth. and, um, And to be able to maintain one's self-confidence through all that, I think, is the key. So I think building a solid foundation of knowing who you are And what's important to you and not letting something like, I didn't get as many likes as I wanted to affect your confidence. So I think you kind of have to spend some time going a little deeper, which is hard for many people to do. Deeper meaning inside. I have to take this journey inside and say, okay, what's important to me? And what am I going to let affect me? And what am I not willing to let affect me? What matters and what doesn't. What, what it comes down to is understanding what I can and can't control and the choices I make about what I pay attention to and what I don't, what I let affect me and what I don't. And that's a skill. It's something that has to be and can be built and uh, strengthened over time with, with effort and attention. So there's not necessarily like a quick answer to your question of how do they do that, but there's certainly steps to take that can ensure, okay, yeah, I had a, I had a bad game today, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm a bad player, and that doesn't mean that I still can't achieve the things that I want to achieve. It just means, okay, I have to go back to the drawing board and say, what didn't go as well today, and what can I do to get better for next time?
0: And also with just what you talked about with this introduction of social media and from my perspective that I follow, um, I follow football and I'm a huge NFL fan and I kind of feel like the focus of athletics has shifted from, you know, what teams you follow to now more about the individual success. And I think that's even more prevalent on a micro level. So, you know, for varsity sports, um, you know, that's especially if you're in a school, then, you know, you, t- you tend to only follow one team. So students tend to look for those star players and, sure. you know, they gain thousands of followers and um, consequently there will be certain things happening. So what's your uh, opinion on this?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And I, and I think to some degree that hasn't changed over time. I mean, that was true even, when I was in, in high school, you know, 20 years ago. So there's always been kind of the star player or the, you know, the, the popular um, athletes that stand out in the crowd. Right. Right. Um, But I think the star player sometimes can get caught up in that because it's exciting to be the person that everybody knows. And, and there's, there's parts of that that are okay. It just recognizing when it's, becoming too much of a distraction for you or if it is right is this getting is it getting too much to my head where it's taking away from the player and the person that I want to be and the teammate that I want to be depending on the sport for those in supporting roles on a team sometimes it could be hard to have the same people or person in the spotlight and I think sometimes that comes down to accepting what my role is and having conversations as a team about um this very topic. I think wonderful things come from communication and I can't, I can't help or change the way I'm behaving if I don't know that it's hurting or bothering someone.
1: So another thing I wanted to bring up was um, there are a lot of role models that a lot of kids and a lot of peers of other athletes look up to and their, their actions often bring about different uh, responses from different individuals. And uh, in an earlier episode, um, we talked about uh, sneakers was our topic. And we talked about how Michael Jordan wore a pair of um, non-regulation sneakers, but uh, because they were Nike sneakers, Nike paid the fee because it was promoting their brand. And that was kind of an example of him literally defying the rules but um and it was beneficial for him and it was a really influential moment for the sneakers but do you have you seen moments like that where it's athletes who are going out of their way to cause penalties and in response it's overall uh harming the team in some way because i believe that's something with athletes when they get so almost fed up with themselves or carried away with what they're doing that they're not realizing the effects it's having on their team or their overall performance.
2: So, I think that probably happens all the time, and I think sometimes that has to do with can do with lack of awareness, um and it can make it seem like one person feels like they're more important than others, and that that's, you know, the that is lumping a lot of things into one category and certainly each team and each individual is different um but yeah like I was saying before I think that's where communication comes in and I think that's where kind of guidelines and boundaries and and can come together for a team to say look this is who we are and this is what we're about um something that stands out to me is I don't know if you guys know the story or have seen the movie that they made about it called Miracle it's about the 1980. Uh, men's U.S. hockey team when they beat the Soviet Union to win gold.
1: Um, oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: One of the scenes in the movie is during a training and they were having to do all this fitness-type stuff and the coach would repeatedly ask a player, um, you know, what's your name and who do you play for? And I don't, I can't remember exactly how many guys he asked, but essentially each player would say their name and then and the, the college they played for. And it wasn't until, you know, like several, probably in reality, minutes or even hours into this really intense training session that one of the players finally said, I play for the United States. And that's all he was looking for. Because we are not here as individuals coming from lots of different colleges. We are here as one united force playing for our country, representing the United States. And that moment has always stood out for me as exemplifying. I think what Coaches, especially at the youth level, are can and even maybe should be looking for. In my opinion, when I was an athlete and it still kind of holds true, I think it's, I always had and I believe in the mentality of team first. I played team sports. I also played several individual sports as well. But uh, we before me is kind of a motto. And when I coached youth, now I try to bring that motto to it. It's we before me, right? We're, we're in this together. We're a team and we win as a team and we lose as a team and we work together as a team. And to cut, try to ingrain that type of mentality at younger ages kind of helps the understanding of what the differences are.
0: Yeah, and I do think that's really interesting because especially you talked about the NCAA lawsuit uh, when it comes to, um, you know, how the college is making money off um, players' names, but you also talked about how those players um, also benefit from being in certain colleges because, you know, obviously they're not going to get the same recognition if in on community college. So one kind of last question that I have is this really interesting Thing that Cliff Kingsbury was doing. So um, for people who don't watch NFL, he used to be a college football head coach and now is the head coach for Arizona Cardinals. And he talked about how he's gonna give um, something called cell phone breaks in those team meetings for adult grown up players. Which I thought is, you know, when I first saw it, I'm like, hmm, that's that's a little bit hysterical. <laughs> you know, that's a hysterical thing for an NFL team to do, but Then I thought about it, and read more about it, and I thought that might not be a bad idea. And what's your opinion on this?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I had the same reaction. Um, I think it was surprising to a lot of people. However, I think it is a knowing his players and the the generation and the age and the differences between then and now and in the present, what's going on. I think it makes a lot of sense to have cell phone breaks. I think it kind of plays off the the theories of attention. You know, we have um, our attention span lasts for a certain amount of time before we need to take a break for the sake of productivity. And I think that holds true in this case. And you know that probably 90% of the players in the room after about 45 minutes are zoning out. Are you getting the most out of that meeting? Probably not. So you have to get creative with how to get the most out of the, um, out of the meeting. And that's certainly one of the ways to do it. And I think, you know, his plan kind of made the news, but it's certainly not the only team that does that. Um, and I'm sure teams followed in his footsteps after that, after that came out, but yeah, I think it's fine. I, I, you know, like I said, it was kind of surprising and almost comical at first, um, but I think it's just the signs of a good coach who knows his players and knows how to get the best out of them. So as coaches, that's our job to, to um, adapt and understand kind of the tendencies and needs of our players and then kind of adjust accordingly. So I think he's doing a nice job at that.
1: Kind of a final question. What's some of your advice uh, as a sports psychologist perspective that could also apply for just ordinary people? Because I see um, – uh, I one thing you could immediately make a link to with social media and athletes is the stress to be at that same performance level. And I see that very similarly with my peers in high school who are constantly posting on social media to almost achieve relatively the same thing. But is there anything kind of similar to that that you could maybe provide some perspective on?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the cool thing about the mental skills training is it's, it's essentially life skills that we're using sport as the vehicle to teach, right? So the the interventions and applications and skills that can be built from doing some mental skills training are not limited to sports and athletes. So that's where it can kind of cross over into everyday stuff. The way that I teach um, and work with clients is that we use sport often as the topic to kind of introduce and apply the skill and then we always make sure we talk about how it crosses over into your life what other areas of your life um, can this apply for just everybody out there finding ways to be present now and I know that social media is sometimes influential on in that I myself get sucked down this social media rabbit hole at times and I have to say wait a minute what am I doing here? Do I, do I need a five minute distraction or am I letting this linger now into 20 minutes and how do I bring it back? And some of that just comes down to awareness. What are my tendencies? What areas do I feel like I'd like to improve or I'd like to change? If we're not aware of them, then we can't really change them. Um, and I think being open to the conversations about how mental skills can help me. What can i what am i looking to achieve and how can i achieve it and how might i need assistance in doing so
1: well thank you for coming on the podcast this has been um, a wonderful conversation um you definitely answered all our questions we really wanted to just understand more of the psychological aspect because we understand that a lot of our peers a lot of athletes are going through these stresses and they're going through the motions of trying to Um, compete at their best level so it was really great to get your perspective and um, we're very happy with how this turned out
2: great yeah, I appreciate I enjoyed being here I agree it was a fun conversation I'm sure it's one we could continue for um, for a long time so we'll have to do it again
0: yeah Yeah. and before you go um, are you interested in doing a shout out of your website or uh, your email so some of our listeners might um, be able to contact you
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, my um, my business is called Mind Fit Performance. Um, you can find it at mindfit performance.com or um, also on social media, mindfit uh, underscore, or excuse me, mindfit. Um, or you can reach out for my cell phone, 925 785 9564. But feel free. Um, you can find out more information on my website and I'm happy to have more conversations or answer any questions um, that come up after listening.
0: Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at WRZPOD. We would also love to hear your thoughts and ideas. So connect with us at connect at wrzpod.com. The next episode of Sidebar has been recorded and will drop any day in the following week. See you soon.